So obviously want to dig into the new album and talk a little KXM. And uh, actually, I was a dude sitting next to you this past Saturday at uh, SoFi Stadium. <laughs> Hi, how you doing, man? <laughs> good, good. So we'll get into that in a few. But uh, let's start with the uh, with the new album. I mean, 14 years in the making, 14 years since the last album, 15. And I think I mentioned to you on, on Saturday night, but man, an album that's been in the works for a while now actually started back in like 2019 yeah something like that walk <laughs> us through the album well we uh after 14 years we decided let's make a record it's about time i think we got enough to maybe we, we were just waiting for a while to get the inspiration you know we just didn't feel inspired before you know everybody kind of got on the same page at the same time and we decided to make this record before the pandemic and so we finished the record before the pandemic and then it hit uh, right when Michael uh, Parnon, who's produced the record and mixed it, uh, was in, uh, getting ready to mix it. And so we had to wait for that to subside. And now, you know, everybody's kind of back on track. And so record's coming out tomorrow and uh, we're, you know, doing shows and getting back on track basically <laughs> it must feel like a big like relief or release like ah oh, it's finally coming out oh uh, yeah i guess it is really i mean I'm, it's been so long anyway at this point <laughs> and, and so many so many disappointments it's like you know who knows so yeah but i'm excited you know i'm kind of curious too with it being done for so long did you guys kind of go back in and tinker with it or you know add some more ear candy to it or just leave it be once it was done uh, it was done. You know, everybody went home because Jerry lives in New Jersey and Ty lives in Kansas City. We did it out here in L.A. at the studio. So when you get done with it, everybody went home. Um, we had one song that was going to be an instrumental. Michael called me up and said, come out here and put some vocals on this. We're not going to put this out as a uh, as an instrumental. And so I did. But that's the only thing that we changed after the fact, you know. It's got to be tempting to kind of to kind of tweak with it because, you know, that's always the biggest question. When is a song ever really done? And, and most yeah, of the time the world well, puts that pressure on you to finish it, but you had all the time. Right. And the other thing, too, is Michael mixed it. You know, we didn't have nothing to do with it. We just stay away and let him do it because we trust him. And uh, there, was, there was no drama or stress in that aspect. I, I think what he did with the mixes, every song individually was, uh, you know, I think he really, really, really did an excellent job. And so we're real proud of it. Yeah, love the record. I mean, let it rain, such an anthem, give it up, swipe up. But, you know, probably one of my favorite songs, although I kept looking for part two, Wood Flood, part one, <laughs> where's part two coming? Part two is in the archives, and who knows? It might be out there on the next record, or it might be on a solo record. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, it's such a, uh, uh, leaving me hanging for some more. I really love the the heavy riff in that tune. Thanks. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to put out Flood Part Two on the next record, probably. And you know, Let It Rain feels very like pandemic driven, but uh, but written way before that, I guess. Yeah, the whole record was written before the pandemic. I mean, the state of the world hasn't changed just because the pandemic <laughs> happened. Just made everybody go home and watch YouTube and realize what's going on. You know, it's always been going on. I've been watching it every day. You know, how how, how just just the mess the world is in, the good and the bad. I have come to a conclusion today, though. I was watching some videos on empaths and narcissists, and I kind of kind of a conclusion that you know we look around the earth and it's just horrible, horrible people and terrible stuff going on, but. There's a lot of good people, 
And there's a lot of people that balance it all out. And somehow the human race usually balances things out somehow. That's, that's my new take today on, on hope. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Cause we need some positivity and, you know, especially in, you know, hard rock and metal, it can be so doom and gloom all the time. So it's nice that there can be some, uh, some, some shining light and some positivity in this world. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We certainly can use it, man. And it's, <clears throat> insane 40 years as a band three piece everyone sings i mean i feel like you're kind of a unicorn in that sense <laughs> almost 42 years well i tell you what i was talking to billy gibbons about bands that have been together for a really really long time that have had the same members since they put the first record out and this is before dusty passed away but we were talking about rounding those bands up and maybe trying to do some kind of a, a show or a, a, you know make a little deal about it or something i know that like you two they've been together as the original band since the beginning and um maybe green day yeah but, you know we're still looking for other bands there's not too many because a lot of bands either they broke up or or they got different members in the band. But we're talking about bands that are original members from day one till now, over, at least for over 25 years, you know. It's crazy. And a lot of trios in that list of bands that you wrapped up, wrapped off. I, I wonder if that's the, the secret to it is being a trio. Everyone kind of stays in their own corner. No one can mess with anyone else. You know, it might be, you know, because it, it seems maybe you get along better with three Mm-hmm. Instead of two, because even if two of us can side against one, but then that one and the other two can side against me, <laughs> and then I can side against the other. And the, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like it's always a stalemate. So that's a good thing in, in some ways. There's always somebody to balance out the craziness. And lefty bassist, man. I, I, I wonder, are you left-handed in everything you do? Most things. I'm ambidextrous. I can do things with both hands. As a child, for some reason, my family saw that I was using my left hand for things, so they stuck it in my left hand and said, you're left-handed, Dougie. And I've got five brothers and sisters who are left-handed. And uh, so it's just kind of in the family. If the kid is born, everybody goes around, what hand is he writing with? You know, I don't know why it was always a big deal in my family when I was a kid, but I I had, uh, I got 14 cousins and aunts and uncles that are all my age. So, you know, we're all aware of all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. See, I'm I'm a lefty too, but it was born out of my dad being left-handed. But then when it came to music and sports, everything was right-handed. And so I kind of just went along with it right-handed. It's crazy that you took the time to restring the bass and do it left-handed because I imagine there weren't a whole lot of uh, lefty basses when you first started playing. Oh, there were none, but, you know, being a person who was told he was left-handed, I just automatically used my left hand. And uh, when I got a saxophone when I was eight years old, when I was, um, sorry, in eighth grade, I started playing saxophone. And uh, I said to the teacher, I said, I need a left-handed saxophone. He says, there are none. (laughs) And I go, well, I can't play it. And he goes, yes, you can. And he handed it to me, you know, or a piano. There's no left-handed piano, (laughs) you know. So that's when I realized that, you know, some people are left-handed completely some people are right-handed completely and pretty much are useless with the other hand but i've always been able to use both hands in 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 some fashion or form i bat a right-handed and i catch a left-handed i have to take the huh. the the you know it's it's crazy or i bowl with both hands it doesn't matter and uh yeah i can write my name uh with my left hand right hand uh my right hand is a little bit more sloppier i think <laughs> i would say my right hand is more like a normal person and my left hand is like calligraphy 
because I love <laughs> writing. And uh, my mom was the same way. We're we're like artists and we draw things and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. And my dad could draw a man and a woman with both hands standing on a on a chalkboard. He could draw them at the same time, a woman on, with one hand and a man on the other at wow. the same time. Pretty crazy. Uh, my, my folks are pretty out there in some ways. <laughs> sounds like it. Sounds like it, but it sounds like they raised you right and let you be fully left-handed and let you pursue your musical dreams, which is great. And, you know, I, I sadly came from the other side of the coin where it was like, don't do that. Don't follow music. You're not, you know, it's never going to work oh, out wow. for you. So it's kind of interesting to see people's motivation, the people that make it yeah. with that positive motivation versus the other side of the right. coin. <laughs> You know, and it's all in how you act, too, because my folks never encouraged me. They never said I was a good singer. They never came to the contest that I won. They never they acted like it didn't. They, they didn't care what I did. And so I just did it. And that's the way it was with me. And so I went out looking for people to tell me it was OK. And when they did, I just kept doing it because I always loved to do it. There was never anybody that told me not to. Nobody said, Doug, you can't do this once you give up. Oh, the only thing the black community said to me was, why are you playing that white boy music? Why don't you play soul music? I went, well, I am playing soul music. It's just heavy. Think of Led Zeppelin and think of all those bands. It was heavy soul music. It was turned on 12. And I had figured, isn't this what we're supposed to be doing is pushing the envelope? So I said, screw y'all. Band of Gypsies, here we go, you know? <laughs> love it. Love it. And, you know, I saw some dates pop up sporadically. Any any chance of SoCal obviously ties health figuring into touring right now yeah that's the whole problem right now records coming out and we're gonna pump that and be all over the net you know pumping that stuff and talking and stuff like that uh, we got a few shows happening in the future if, if anybody wants to know just go to king's x on, on uh, dot com and, and you know all the information is there um and so we plan on going out there to do as much as we can when ties okay so probably next year we'll have to wait for, for something in SoCal. Maybe not. Ah. You never know. You never know. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Yeah. Especially with you being in SoCal, I figure that, you know, one third of the band already here already. Yeah, it's but it's still uh, it, it's still a, a small feat to get a band on the road and to go tour and all that stuff. So, so, but we'll be back. We always come back to L.A. We love L.A. I love L.A. I live been living here for twelve years now, and you know this is home to me. So, fingers crossed for that. Uh, but you know, yeah. wanted to also talk a little uh, KXM and, and get the latest update on that. It's been a few years since the last album with those guys. Working on any new material? No, not yet. We talked about doing a record uh, about two months ago, and we haven't said anything to each other since. Um, I just sent George a message this morning because I saw Instagram that he was walking away on his guitar, so I put a heart on it and, and sent him a message. says, well, we've got to do some KXM with a question mark, and he'll get back to me. We're laughing about it. But, uh, yeah, but we plan on doing something soon. As soon as King's X gets the record out and we get to rolling on that, then... I'll jump back on the KXM bandwagon. It only takes a, um, a you know a few weeks to do a KXM record, you know. But I gotta spend most of my time with Kings X, like like Ray with Corn, you know. Right. Yeah. And you guys for KXM, it's kind of just go in the studio and and bash it out rather than you know pre production and all that, right? Oh yeah, it's just go in the studio and, and write ten songs, and then we take the drum tracks home and build them up from there, you know. Crazy way to do it. And then I imagine King's X, the exact opposite, where you kind of spend some time on those totally, <laughs> Totally, totally, totally opposite, yeah. Best so, of both to me, worlds. side projects are different. Side projects are just have fun and 
and uh and have a good time and have a good time with your friends you know and with king's is, you know it's it, that's another monster that we realize has to be taken care of correctly because our people the, the people that love our music they mean so much to us and we want to make sure that you know we give them the best that we are and we have Love it and love the new album and, uh, you know, wanted to touch on, on Saturday night a little bit. Great to, to be sitting next to you out there at SoFi and for Motley Crue. And, and you had just gotten there in time for Crue or were you there earlier for Poison and Def Leppard? Sadly enough, I mean, Mick is a friend of mine and um, uh, he got me the tickets and um, um, he told me they're going at 9.30 and like maybe about an hour and a half before we left, I went, I wonder who's playing with them. And I go online and I go, Jeff Leppard, you know, and I'm thinking poison. I'm going, oh man. And then uh, by the time we got there, it was like Jeff Leppard was just ending. You know, I heard they were great. And uh, so we rolled in and, and watched the show. And uh, Mick texted me and said, so how was it? And he said, guitar wasn't loud enough, was it? And I go, well, it could have been louder. And he said, yeah, awesome. You know, and then we <laughs> laughed about it. I said, you guys rocked. And he said, thanks. And, you know, I said, good night. And it was like 1230 at that point, I think. And I went to sleep and he was off being Mick Mars, doing what he does. And you guys are old friends from touring together back in the day? Yep. When did you guys tour together? God, when was that? I don't know, 2000 something. Um, long, long time ago. Funny thing about it was that I hung out with Tommy the whole time. After we all got done playing, I'd go over the tour bus and he'd come over our bus and me and him would just play new music all the time. That's all we did. He was like two teenagers rocking <laughs> out and, you know, until in smoking weed. And I never, never said much to Mick. I, I never saw him much. But then uh, after we got off the road, uh, one time he texted me and said he was working on some music. Did I want to come over and maybe do some singing on it or something or write some music with it? I'm going, sure. You know, and so I think I had just moved out to L.A. So I went out to his house and hung out and we worked on some music together. And uh, we've been friends ever since. We just, you know, always been around each other, you know. And, and I lost track of Tommy because uh, right after we got off the road with Motley Crue, Tommy and Pamela, that whole thing started happening. And then the whole thing blew up and he, he was in that other bubble, you know, where you can't get to him. So I didn't even try. Yeah. You know, it was like, hey, man, he's whole, got a whole nother life here. And I don't mean nothing. I'm just that one of those guys that he's hung out with that he knows it don't matter. And I let that go. And I, every time I Nikki, you know, hey, Doug, how you doing? I go, great. And so, you know, all is well. I'm, you know, everybody knows everybody around, out here, though, you know. For sure, for sure. And wait, so you have recorded with Mick. Has that seen the light of day or is that this ever coming <laughs> solo album? No, I don't think so. It was just some demos we did. You know, I can't remember what they sounded like now. It was so long ago. Because <laughs> I know he's been working on this this infamous solo album since before Motley Crue retired the first time. And it's been, God, six, seven years now, yeah, it feels like. Yeah, long story short, he's done it. It's done. I haven't heard it yet. But he laughs and says, okay, it'll probably take me another 10 years to get it out. And, and I send him a smiley face and chuckle, LOL. <laughs> Man, I can't, cannot wait to hear that. And like we were talking about at the show, criminally underrated McMars.
Yeah, truly, truly, truly. I love that guy. Such a player and, and, and this really the sound of that band, but with all the other, the circus around the other three guys in the band, he, he's kind of the forgotten guy. <laughs> he is, and that's what I love about, about hanging with him. You know, basically text messages, text, I mean, staying in contact. It's like his uh, his position in the band, it's it's just a really great perspective. It's sort of like the, the older guy just kind of watching the kids. <laughs> it's just <laughs> cute. I love it. So he is kind of that grumpy character portrayed in the dirt. Oh, that was him. I had to laugh. I'm going, that is him. (laughs) (laughs) Doug, man, I appreciate all the time. Last thing I got to hit you with, dude, we're one of those old school radio stations that uh, celebrate Metallica every night at 10 p.m., mandatory Metallica, which we're going to be a Mm -hmm. part of. Curious if you know those guys, shared the stage with them, your kind of history with Metallica. Uh, I remember I sang um, something on a Hendrix, or a, I'm sorry, a Metallica tribute record, and uh, I forgot what it was now. And uh, I ran into James, and he told me that he really liked the way I sung it and wished he could have had a sung it that way or that good or something. And I go, thanks, man. And then he asked, are you still with your higher power? And I'm thinking I'm not one of those folks that, you know, I'm you know I, I, I'm not clean and sober, and I've never had a problem with it. So I didn't know how to answer that. But, uh, you know, that's the only time I've ever really said anything to him was at a Metal Blade uh, party and uh, Lars I've talked to him a couple times the last time I talked to him he was talking about putting his kid in college and stuff and I'm thinking yeah we're old aren't we <laughs> and we just laughed we were drinking some beer I think it was and Jason uh, I met him well, actually, I've never met Jason, but we've texted each other and given each other great kudos. We love each other's playing and stuff. But I don't think I've, I've never met him. Uh, and um, I wouldn't remember that if I was had him, I think, unless I was just so stoned I didn't. But uh, <laughs> the history for me with those guys is I'm riding down the road in Houston, Texas, going to uh, this club called Numbers, getting ready to, to see somebody play. I think I can't remember who it was now. And um, I was in the car and I heard this song called uh, Battery on rock radio. Welcome to the battery. And I'm sitting in the car going, Judas Priest has a new song out. (laughs) (laughs) And then they said, that's Metallica. I'm going, that's who that is? That that record that's got all those crosses that I'm afraid to buy because I'm a Christian? (laughs) And I went went and bought that record and put it on and it saved me. Oh my God, it it turned the metal back up in my heart, you know, because, you know, growing up with Black Sabbath and all that kind of stuff, I love heavy stuff, but the Judas Priest Iron Maiden era, I was at an age where that was sort of kiddie metal, you know, so I didn't understand it as much. I was more into the alternative music. I was going to college, college town and stuff like that. But then Metallica came out and went, wait a minute, Doug, this is this is what, what you really like, just bang your head. <laughs> and, I'm, and so, you know, that kind of kind of seeped into uh, King's X, and I, in I, many ways. I think that that album that you mentioned, Master of Puppets, is their masterpiece. I think that album is flawless. Oh yeah, I told Lars that. I said, man, that that record, you are were a monster on the drums. He says to me, he says I was a lot of cut tapes. He says you should have seen. And then he <laughs> says we're the only band in history that's cut, that's spliced a twenty four track tape that many times to get a good take, and we both laughed. Wow, <laughs> he's a humble guy. He's a humble, beautiful guy. Everybody thinks he's an asshole, but he's completely opposite. Completely. And I have to backtrack. I don't want to say everybody, but, you know, I hear people that say that about him, and he's just a great, great guy. The only thing I ever hear about him is more is his playing lately. Ah. People seem to want to nitpick him for that, but I haven't heard, I haven't heard yeah. much about his personality.
And you know, you know, when you get that big, let him nitpick. You know, it's like <laughs> 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 who gives a fuck anymore? <laughs> Those guys have proved themselves beyond proving. You know, from the beginning, from start to finish, just getting in a van and playing and playing in a fish hole, sleeping on people's floors and just starving to death and doing. It. I mean, Johnny Zazula told me that they drove out in a van to New Jersey to do that first record at on Megaforce, and and they slept on his floor. You know. God, I've, I've I've known those guys in, indirectly from you know way back. You know. Do you have a favorite Metallica song we could play for you on Mandatory Metallica? What is it? Uh, it's off the second record. Oh, fight fire with fire, creeping death, uh, ride the lightning. Uh, for whom ride the lightning. Tolls. Ride the lightning because yeah, that's the one. <laughs> when they go into the chunks, it was like, okay, I never heard anybody chunk like that since Black Sabbath on Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. When yeah. it went chunk, 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 Well, I never heard a drop D riff down that low ever in my life. And I never heard it again until way later in my life, you know, and that and Tony, Iommi, you know, what can you do? You know, you know, we all get it all from somebody, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> that's what music is all about. But, dude, that's great. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll rock that one for you. Dude, beautiful, Doug. Thank you so much for the time. Great meeting you last week and uh, hope to see you around at some other shows and if not at King's X show soon enough. All right. Well, we live around each other, so we'll run each other again, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, now that I know you, I'll actually come say hi. I see you all the time at shows and never want to bug you. But now that we've oh, met, I'll, I'll be sure to say hi. hi. Beautiful, I mean, man. <laughs> I definitely okay. will. Thank you so much for the time and best of luck with the new record. Peace and love, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.